Hi everyone, this is Nellie. Thank you for tuning in today to my ministry, song, scripture, and my thoughts. Today is February 7th, 2023. Today's song recommendation is I Will Lift My Eyes by Bebo Norman. Today's scripture will be found in the book of 2 Kings, chapter 14, verses 23 through 25, and verse 28 from the book of Jonah. And then we will end in Matthew chapter 12, verses 38 through 41. I won't be reading the entire book of Jonah, but we will be reading chapters 1 and 2, and then part, a couple of verses out of chapter 2. Today's message is titled, Are You Running From God? I want to begin first by mentioning in the last message I brought up that I had researched, googled one of the kings from that was mentioned in the book of Amos and his name is Jeroboam the second. And I I was prompted by God because generally I don't research kings, but for whatever reason, I researched this particular king, and I'm glad that I did, and I made mention of him in the last message that there were items found in the year 2000, and that was incorrect. It's, it was actually 1910 that a person by the name of G.A. Reisner found... 63 potsherds. He had been excavating at the royal palace at Samaria and he finds 63 inscribed potsherds there. And then later on, they are dated to the reign of Jeroboam II. And I'm so thankful that God led me to this because during Jeroboam's reign, this was at the time of the prophets, the books of Hosea, Joel, Amos, and Jonah. This king reigned during the times that these prophets prophesied. And this king, he was the 13th king of Israel. He reigned for 41 years. And according to God, he did evil in the sight of the Lord. They, He and his people would worship a golden calf. And God would often say after each king, whether he was a good king or an evil king, he was very quick to say which one, which avenues these kings went went. <laughs> was traveling on. They were either good or they were evil. So let's, and the reason I want to bring up this king as well is because during Jonah's day, something extraordinary happens to him. He gets swallowed by a large fish and he has to live inside the belly of a fish for three days and three nights. And this is a true account of what actually happened to Jonah, just as when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were cast into the furnace of blazing fire, God steps in. And remember, King Nebuchadnezzar could see that there were four 
in that fire. Jesus, pre-incarnation, had joined them in there. He had set them free. And those three come out, absolutely no smell of fire, not a hair on their head is singed. They are absolutely perfectly found without any damage whatsoever. Miraculously, they were saved. And then Daniel, who's cast into the lion's den, God sends an angel to shut the mouths of lions, and Daniel does not get, get eaten alive by these lions. Another miracle and wonder that God did. And then, after the book of Daniel, then there is... Hosea, Joel, Joel, Amos, and Obadiah, and then it goes into Jonah. And this is all around the same time period. Well, this is after Daniel, but my point is, is that God is doing the miraculous in these men's lives. And the reason I went into Jeroboam is so that we, for those that, overthink things and have to connect the dots that you can read an account of yes this king was king when god said he was king and things are being found up and that had to do with his reign in israel eight centuries ago eight centuries bc god is he's always going to reveal things that are written in the bible and things are being revealed. So let's read in Second Kings. We will start with verse 23. It says this, In the fifteenth year of Amaziah, the son of Joash, king of Judah, Jeroboam, the son of Joash, king of Israel, became king in Samaria and reigned forty-one years. He did evil in the sight of the Lord. He did not depart from all the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, which he made Israel sin. He restored the border of Israel from the entrance of Hamath as far as the Sea of the Ereba, according to the word of the Lord, the God of Israel, which he spoke through his servant Jonah, the son of Amittai, the prophet, who was at Gath-Hefer. Pause. So we're reading here about this king that I googled that he did exist and God mentions that during this time he spoke through his servant Jonah the prophet. So this will tie in to the book of Jonah and I hope that it helps you to believe Jonah's the account of Jonah even more so and then in verse 28 God says now the rest of the acts of Jeroboam and all that he did, and his might, how he fought, and how he recovered for Israel, Damascus and Hamath, which had belonged to Judah. Are they not written in the book of Chronicles of the kings of Israel? Pause. Yes, they most certainly are. Now, I don't know what these 63 inscribed potsherds said, but... It's got to be in relation to what Jeroboam II did during his reign as king for the 41 years. And I just think that that is just so awesome of God to 
have had this G.A. Reisner excavate the ground at the royal palace to find these important items that can prove the account of the Bible to those people that need proof. So we'll go ahead and go into Jonah's story if you want to turn to the book of Jonah. And again, Jonah is probably written during the 8th century. And it says um, that it's dated no later than the third quarter of the 8th century B.C. So let's start reading. I'll read the entire first chapter. And then we will go into, obviously, Jonah's prayer. We're not going to read it, but then we will read the last verses of that chapter and read also chapter 3. So here we go, Jonah's disobedience. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. So he went down to Joppa, found a ship which was going to Tarshish, paid the fare, and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. The Lord hurled a great wind on the sea, and there was a great storm on the sea, so that the ship was about to break up. Then the sailors became afraid, and every man cried to his God, and they threw the cargo which was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone below into the hold of the ship, lain down, and fallen sound asleep. So the captain approached him and said, How is it that you are sleeping? Get up, call on your God. Perhaps your God will be concerned about us, so that we will not perish. Each man said to his mate, Come, let us cast lots, so we may learn on whose account this calamity has struck us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. Then they said to him, Tell us now, on whose account has this calamity struck us? What is your occupation? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? From what people are you? He said to them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men became extremely frightened, and they said to him, How could you do this? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord, because he had told them. So they said to him, What should we do to you that the sea may become calm for us? For the sea was becoming increasingly stormy. He said to them, Pick me up, throw me into the sea. Then the sea will become calm for you, for I know that on account of me this great storm has come upon you. However, the men rowed desperately to return to land, but they could not, for the sea was becoming even stormier against them. Then they called on the Lord and said, we earnestly pray, O Lord, do not let us perish on account of this man's life, and do not put innocent blood on us. For you, O Lord, have done as you have pleased. So they picked up Jonah, threw him into the sea, and the sea stopped its raging. Then the men feared the Lord greatly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. 
And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the stomach of the fish three days and three nights. Pause. Now this chapter is jam-packed full, and it's an account of what happened to Jonah. We're hearing from the sailors, and we're hearing from the captain of the ship. We're, we're hearing a specific account of what happened to Jonah. And if you're out there and you believe the account of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, or the account of Daniel, and are not believing the account of Jonah because he gets put into the belly of a whale for three days and three nights, you can't just pick and choose which account you're believing in because God is showing his miraculous power and might in these events, in what he's doing, and he's God. Can he not do this? Can he not put Jonah in the belly of a whale and then have him survive it and then spit him out on the third day? Yes, he can. He's God. So the chapter starts out that Jonah is instructed by God to go to Nineveh and to warn them that their sin has come in front of God. The last time I remember reading something similar is when the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah was so great that God says it was just thrown in his face. It was in his face. He couldn't take it anymore. The same is happening here with the, the people of Nineveh. Their sin is so great that it is in God's face and he wants to deal with it. And what does Jonah do? He flees. He doesn't want to save the Ninevehs. He can't stand the Ninevehs. He doesn't think that they deserve God's grace and mercy. He, he thinks they deserve to perish. And it will actually say so much as, as to say this in chapter 3. So he tries to flee. He's sound asleep at the bottom of the boat while there's a huge storm going on. And the crew is like, what is going on? Who's responsible? And they're trying to figure it out. And the captain is like, how can you be so asleep when this is happening and they've prayed to their God of course their God is no God at all because only God is God and their God is asleep at the wheel <laughs> and they're not being saved so they're trying to get Jonah to pray to his God and they cast lots and the lot directs to Jonah and they, they're asking him all these questions, where he's from, where, where does he come from, and from what people are you, and Jonah, Jonah explains to them that he's a Hebrew and he fears the Lord, and the men get extremely panicked and they're frightened because they, I'm sure, have heard of the great God Almighty, and the one true God is angry and they don't stand a chance. So even they themselves are pleading and, and praying to God. And they uh, ask Jonah, what should we do to you? So, so the, the storm can stop. And Jonah says, well, just throw me overboard. 
Just throw me overboard. And then this whole storm will stop. Because God, you know, I've shared with you that he, he asked me to do something and I'm fleeing from him. And so just throw me overboard and everything will just calm down. And the guys, they don't really want to do this because, well, they know what's going to happen to Jonah if they throw him overboard. So they, they desperately row in to try to get to shore. And they, obviously, God whips up the storm even more, more so, and it becomes stormier. And so these crewmen and their captain, they're calling on the Lord and they're earnestly praying to him, God, don't let this man's life, don't let him perish and don't let his blood be on us. And so they end up throwing him overboard, of course. And so they pick up Jonah, throw him overboard. And then the men fear fear God greatly and they are offering sacrifices and they're 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 vowing they're making their vows they're obviously promising God this that and the other thing if God saves them and then the Lord appoints a great fish to swallow Jonah and so Jonah is having to live in this stomach of the fish for three days and for three nights but as soon as they threw him overboard the storm calms down and and the problem is resolved. So then Jonah prays from the stomach of the fish in chapter 2. And he prays. And he says in verse 4, So I said, I have been expelled from your sight. Nevertheless, I will look again toward your holy temple. And he explains that, you know, he's being drowned to the point of death. That the great deep has engulfed him. And he's wrapped in weeds. And then he gets into the belly of the fish. And... And he says, but you have brought up my life from the pit, O Lord, my God. While I was fainting away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Those who regard vain idols forsake their faithfulness, but I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving that which I have vowed I will pay. Salvation is from the Lord. Then the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah up onto the dry land. Pause. So, Jonah is vowing. Obviously, he's saying, God, save me, and I will go to Nineveh <laughs> and do what you ask. And so God spits him out. And then we're going to go ahead and read chapter 3. Nineveh repents. Now, in here we're going to hear Jonah not really wanting to... He never really wanted to save this people. It's actually, I'm so tired. This is actually four chapters. I don't know how much of chapter four I will read, but it's all important. So let's just get through chapter three. Nineveh repents. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and proclaim to it the proclamation which I am going to tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, a three days walk. Then Jonah began to go through the city one day's walk, and he cried out and said, Yet forty days, and Nineveh will be overthrown. Then the power then the people of Nineveh believed in God, and they called a fast and put on sackcloth from the great from the greatest to the least of them. When the word reached the king of Nineveh, he arose from his throne, laid aside his robe from him, 
covered himself with sackcloth and sat on the ashes. He issued a proclamation and it said, In Nineveh, by the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let man, beast, herd, or flock taste a thing. Do not let them eat or drink water. But both man and beast must be covered with sackcloth, and let men call on God earnestly, that each may turn from his wicked way and from the violence which is in his hands. Who knows? God may turn and relent and withdraw his burning anger so that we will not perish. When God saw their deeds, that they, that they turned from their wicked way, then God relented concerning the calamity which he had declared he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. Pause. So this Jonah, God orders him a second time, and he actually says, Yet forty days and Nineveh will be overthrown. And with that statement, the people of Nineveh believed in God, and they didn't want to perish. They'd heard, I'm sure, that if God was going to get rid of a people, he would do it. And so they repent. And they go into this fast. And they put on sackcloth with this, their, the way they handle something if they're really desperate for something. And they repent. And God withdraws his burning anger. And he changes his mind and he relents concerning the calamity which he had declared on this people. And this is exactly what Jonah thought could happen. And he didn't want it to happen. He didn't want none of those people to be saved. He thought they deserved to die. And this is why he was fleeing to Tarshish. Because he did not want to follow through in any attempt to perhaps save this this wicked people, according to Jonah. In chapter 4, Jonah's displeasure rebuked. But it greatly displeased Jonah, and, it, and he became angry. He prayed to the Lord and said, Please, Lord, was not this what I said while I was still in my own country? Therefore, in order to forestall this, I fled to Tarshish. For I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, and one who relents concerning calamity. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for death is better to me than life. The Lord said, Do you have a good reason to be angry? Pause. So here we read, and I actually did think that chapters 3 and 4 were together, sorry. <laughs> Forgive me for that little mistake. And so he's telling God, this is why I fled to Tarshish. Because I knew that I could foresee it. That you had potential to free this people and save them. You, that you could have gracious, be gracious and compassionate and slow to anger. And because Jonah knew God's character and God, he would relent if the people repent. And he's the same way today. If we repent, he forgives. He, he, he won't ever turn somebody away that's repenting of their sin. He will, he will not. Because he is a compassionate and gracious God and he's abundant in loving kindness. So he will 
change his mind on us that repent. But Jonah, he's asking for God to take his life. He can't, this is how much he can't stand that God is changing his mind, has changed his mind. So just take me. I don't even want to be a witness to that. I don't, I don't want, in other words, in my opinion, Jonah is saying, you didn't listen to me. I tried to, I tried to flee from this. And then, and he tells him why, and God chooses Jonah and what Jonah wants over what God wants. <laughs> this is how I'm seeing it. And God asks him, do you have good reason to be angry? Then Jonah went out from the city and sat east of it. There he made a shelter for himself and sat under it in the shade until he could see what would happen to the city. So the Lord God appointed a plant and it grew up over Jonah to be a shade over his head to deliver him from his discomfort. And Jonah was extremely happy about the plant. But God appointed a worm when dawn came the next day and attacked the plant and and it withered. When the sun came up, God appointed a scorching east wind and the sun beat down on Jonah's head so that he became faint and begged with all his soul to die, saying, Death is better to me than life. Then God said to Jonah, Do you have good reason to be angry about the plant? And he said, I have good reason to be angry, even to death. <laughs> then the Lord said, You had compassion on the plant for which you did not work and which you did not cause to grow, which came up overnight and perished overnight. Should I not have compassion on Nineveh, the great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know the difference between their right and left hand, as well as many animals? Pause. That's the end of the chapter. Jonah was so angry, he he just said, I just re would rather die than to see Nineveh be saved. And God, he's still merciful and graceful. He sends, he brings up a plant because it's extremely hot there to provide Jonah with shade. And then he sees that he's, so he's showing Jonah how comfortable he can feel in the shade. And then he appoints a worm to eat up the plant, and it withers. Then the sun is scorching on top of Jonah's head so that he becomes faint. And then again he begs with all his soul to die, saying, Death is better to me than life. He is so mad. And from what I can tell about this story, Jonah is the one that doesn't repent. He's the one that doesn't ever repent from his anger for being so angry at the Ninevites. He says, God says to him, Should I not have compassion on Nineveh, the great city in which there are 120,000 people? So Jonah is wanting to condemn 120,000 people that don't know the difference between right and wrong, that don't know the difference between their right and left hand. And God saves this people. It doesn't say what happens to Jonah, but Jonah is brought up again 
by Jesus in Matthew chapter 12 verses 38 through 41 so if you want to turn to Matthew 12 says this in beginning in 38 then some of the scribes and Pharisees said to him teacher we want to see a sign from you but he answered and said to them an evil and adulterous generation craves for a sign and yet no sign will be given to it but the sign of Jonah the prophet. For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the sea monster, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Pause. So here we're seeing God himself, Jesus the Christ, he is confirming that just as Jonah the prophet was three days and three nights in the belly of the sea monster, Jesus himself said this happened. And then he says that the only sign will be that there will be the same, it will be the same thing as Jonah being in the belly of the fish, that God himself, when he's crucified, died, and is buried, he is three days the son of man is three days and three nights in the heart of the earth in 41 the men of Nineveh will stand up with this generation at the judgment and will condemn it because they repented at the preaching of Jonah and behold some thing greater than Jonah is here pause so Jesus is saying that the people of Nineveh will stand up with this generation at the judgment and will condemn it because the people of Nineveh repented. And he's obviously saying that the people that he's talking to right here, these scribes and these Pharisees, they're not going to fare well on the day of judgment because they're not repenting of their sins. So this is a great story, the book of Jonah, and it's a true account of what happened to Jonah. I just find it remarkable, and I hope that it's shown that God is just amazing, isn't he? The things that he can do and has accomplished, and then the revealing of uh, these 63 inscribed potsherds during this time period. It all just proves his Bible true. I don't need proof, but again, for those that need to connect the dots, I hope that this has helped you. And a funny, funny story. I remember listening to this pastor. He was, it was an online uh, sermon and he and his mom had gotten into a wreck and he said, that they had looked at each other and just kind of laughed and said, okay, who sinned? <laughs> Why did this wreck happen? And people often think, oh, something, that something bad happened because of a sin that took place. But God, that's not the way he operates, although he did operate this in this way with Jonah. But Jonah had not listened to God. God had given him a, an assignment, and not only a tiny assignment, but this had to do with thousands of people being saved or not saved whether they were given he wanted them to go and and say say to them if you guys don't change 
I'm going to do away with you. And they repented. So when God puts an assignment on us, sometimes it's not easy. I remember one time he put an assignment on me and I did not act on it right away. It was a difficult assignment. It was an awkward assignment. It was a something that I had to bring up to somebody that was indeed digging into their past and and it was something I I was like Jonah. I, I, I fled from this assignment. But as I thought about it later on, it's like, well God's not going to ever ask me to do anything else because I haven't I didn't listen to this to what he had asked me to do. And one soul is as good as 125,000 souls. We have to follow through with what God tells us to do. And I have been just really praying to God, God, what is it? Give me something else to to do. And I hear from a lot of people that they don't often do that because God can give an assignment that is oh so hard. So I don't know what he's going to give me to do. For now, he has me doing this podcast. You know, and I've said in the last few times, I think I've said it at least the last time, it is such a humbling experience because I'm doing this in the times that I can do it. And I'm often so tired even when I do it. But I've got to have an empty house and that doesn't happen very often and where I can just speak and preach and it's humbling because I don't know, I think, I believe I, I don't know, I can lose people because I read too much scripture, I don't know, but reading scripture is important. It's important to hear the word of God because his word does not come back void. It never has, it never will. And fascinating books for those out there that don't actually have a Bible and don't know the books of the Bible. If this is the first time that you're hearing the book of Jonah, I'm glad I read as much as I did. And my goal, as always, is to try to save someone. We are living in such a time where there's so much happening in the world with these Chinese balloons and things like that and I have heard that we're in troubling times literally <clears throat> in a state of alert uh, our, at least the United States is on it, it's we don't know what's going on but it's <laughs> something is uh, I was listening to somebody the other day and he's like it's one of those things where we're not going to know until we hear their <laughs> run and hide but us as God's people we know what God's plan is there's nothing to be afraid of the worst thing that people think can happen to us is death well just like that we go from this life into the heaven where God is we go directly with him just as he told the one guy on his on his right that was crucified on his right this very day you will be in paradise and this whenever it is our end date whatever happens to us we have that security that one day 
whether it be if we don't if if he calls us home now or we get called home in the rapture we will end up with the lord god almighty he is the god of great things of miraculous things of wonders and signs beyond our imaginations he has done it he did it in shadrach meshach and abednego's day in daniel's day in jonah's day and in our day i did however accomplish the assignment i did what god had asked me to do back then and of course i'm waiting for the next assignment so don't run from god whatever it is he's put on you to do get it done there's no time like the present that's it for now all the glory to god much love to all until next time bye